This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Champions League night in Western Saxony. Manchester City travelled to Leipzig for the second time in just over a year, this time for a last 16 clash against Rassenball Sport Leipzig. I'm joined by a German football expert to discuss what threats RB might pose and why they're one of the most hated teams in Germany. It's Wednesday the 22nd of February. I'm Amos Murphy. And I'm Adam Kahn. And this is the City Report podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. I'm delighted to say, as you'd have heard from the introduction, I'm joined by an expert on all things football, Adam Khan. Um, first things first, Adam, welcome to the show. Do you want to tell the listeners what you get up to and, and why you've earned that tag of, of German football expert? Yeah, I mean, I'm not the self-appointed German football expert, <laughs> so thank you for the kind words. But yeah, I think just just my passion for German football from a young age has kind of led me into bring that passion to others like you're doing with the city report. You just want to kind of show everybody else your love for football and specifically my love for German football. So I have a German football newsletter regularly do a lot of stuff with um, German broadcast companies for the Champions League fixtures over here in Germany with the zone with Amazon prime. And yeah, really just kind of, especially for an English audience showing them kind of why German football is so special. Yeah, it's weird over here in England. Um, you know, we have listeners who sort of sometimes just watch City, but some of us watch loads of European football. And the coverage German football gets over here is pretty shocking. It's Sky Sports, and they show maybe one game a week, and it's always the top spieler, the Friday night game, usually Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund. And you know, you, for, for me, I find the best thing about German football in the Bundesliga is the little. You know, you might get Bochum versus Mainz or Cologne, and it's like seven one or five three or something like that. It's absolutely 
absolutely mad. Um, you've got a team though yourself, haven't you? We're talking before we press record. Yours is thankfully after my uh, after my uh, introduction sort of called out RB Leipzig. It isn't RB Leipzig, but you do have a team in Germany, don't you? Yeah, thank God it's not every Leipzig. I'm not sure to be able to call myself a German football enthusiast and support every Leipzig. I don't think that the the Germans would like me too much. Now I'm a bit more of a traditionalist myself. I'm a Borussia Mönchengladbach fan. I think a couple of of Man City fans will will know them from recent Champions League campaigns. I think City fans will also have fond memories of Gladbach because we didn't pose too much of a threat to City. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a great club, a very traditional club, as I mentioned, one of the best clubs in Germany throughout the 70s. But unfortunately, I'm not 80, 90 years old. So those glory days are firmly in the past for me. And yeah, I'm hoping for a better future. Let's get straight into it then. Um, like I said, regular listeners will know I love to bang on about German football, probably a little bit too much for Manchester City podcast. But I, and I'd say apart from talking about City, it's definitely the league I watch most intently. I have the softest of soft spots for Union Berlin, a team I started tracking results for when they're in the Zweite Bundesliga, which is the second division. They're now challenging Bayern Munich at the top of the Bundesliga table. And they're just one of this sort of a number of intriguing stories, like I said, in German football, not least to bring it back to this sort of why we're here. City's opponents in the Champions League tonight, who are RB Leipzig, it's safe to say they're not the most universally loved club in Germany, are they? Yeah, it's kind of funny that we're going from from the Union Berlin parallel directly over to every Leipzig as you probably couldn't find two two bigger polar opposites in the top flight right now. They are, of course, two East German clubs, so I guess you have that going for yourself. But Union Berlin is really this workers' club where, okay, not everybody's really unified in their vision, but it's a club where where you have, have a, a fan base who has really bled for the club, who've built their own stadium, who've come up from nothing, who spent their time in the lower tiers, even back in, in, in divided East Germany, were not one of the top clubs and, and through smart management and a really just, a, just a united front have, have come to be a, a Leicester like story in the Bundesliga versus RB Leipzig who are less than two decades old, two, uh, two decades old. And yeah, are, are through pure wealth and then through pure funding from, from an outside source, which, may not be too crazy for fans of City or even fans of every Premier League club, but in the Bundesliga is taboo. They've now come up and, and been, a, been a real fixture in the top flight and, yeah, won the day of Babelkar last season in the final against against SC Freiburg and ahead of Union Berlin, who also went far in that competition, to really show that, hey, even money is seeping into German football, which otherwise looked completely, completely unexposable to it for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, quick disclaimer for anyone who doesn't know, the the RB obviously stands for Red Bull, except German football or or the rules of the DFB say that you are not allowed sponsorship names in in the name of the title. So they go for Russian Ball Sport instead to get around it. Obviously, the sister club, Red Bull Salzburg, are a little bit more explicit. And and there's a saying in in German football and European football culture in general, which, pardon my French, goes something along the lines of football is for you and me, not for fucking industry. And there's a a great chant it goes to as well, which sounds great. But it's often obviously aimed at RB Leipzig. They've also been dubbed. Deadpool Leipzig, the team I professed about uh, earlier, Union Berlin. They stayed silent in the first part of matches against Leipzig as a form of protest. Other supporter groups staged protests against them. When I say they're universe- universally disliked, I mean they're absolutely hated. Being said, as you mentioned there, from a footballing point of view, they have found relative success in German football. You know, you've had Bayern Munich who've won 
the league title 10 years in a row. So sort of below that, they have been the best of the rest a couple of times. DFB Pokal last year, which was the first sort of major trophy since earning promotion in, in 2016 to the Bundesliga. They've been Champions League semi-finalists in the past as well. They finished as Bundesliga runners-up. Like them or not, they're a functioning team at the top of the Bundesliga. And from a City point of view, any City supporters listening to this thinking this game might be a little bit of a walkover, they're going to be a threat. RB Leipzig are a good football team. They've got a good manager, and they're going to they're going to pose a threat for Manchester City in this in this two legged tie. Yeah, I think really it's it's a case of hate them or love them. It's it's hard not to kind of respect at least from a footballing sense what RB Leipzig have built because although they do have funds, I mean we look at a side like Chelsea and where they are at right now, funds aren't everything, and then it needs smart recruitment to make the most out of that. And RB Leipzig have definitely done that. I mean, just advise everybody to go on transfer market and look at some of their sales in the past, as you'll see a list of probably the top 20 players in the world, and a ton of them have Airbnb Leipzig background. And furthermore, I mean, it's a side that plays exciting football, that plays attacking football. And while this lead campaign is, is one of the tightest ever with or without Leipzig, for the longest time, they were a real threat to Bayern and one of the only real threats to Bayern. So were it not for RB Leipzig, I think this last decade of, of German football would have been even less interesting than, than many people from the outside think. So from a purely footballing perspective, German football is actually pretty happy to have RB Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean on the pitch. It, it does make things a little bit interesting. They've had some some compelling fixtures, and, and not least this season. I remember when they played um, Bayern Munich in the first game back after the winter break. It was a fantastic match, and I, I sort of I'll link that into to how they've performed this season because they finished second in the Champions League group, containing Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, and, and Celtic. Which you know, bar the holders, Real Madrid. You're looking at the three teams who, uh, including RB Leipzig, below that. You'd say that all three of them had an opportunity perhaps to progress as, as group runners up. Obviously Leipzig did it at, at somewhat of a canter in the end. They're towards the top of the table once again, albeit just outside the top four in the Bundesliga right now. However, it isn't as sort of as swimmingly uh, comfortable as it may seem on paper. They've had a manager change midway through the season and and I feel like that that was where their season hinged because since then, uh, barring uh, a, a defeat to the aforementioned Union Berlin a couple of weeks ago. They've been in imperious form and, and they've barely lost, let alone sort of dropped any points or any, any any bad results along the way. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it's really a tale of two halves there. You have the, the initial period under Domenico Tedesco and I, like many, were very high on Tedesco. I mean, Tedesco came in similarly last season, like which Marco Rosa did. He came in in that, that midpoint fixture for, for Jesse Marsh. So he was kind of the man that came in after a poor start to the season and turned Leipzig's fortunes around. And as we mentioned, he brought them from mid-table in the Bundesliga to qualifying for the Champions League, took them to a Europa League semifinal, and of course, all importantly, won that first piece of major silverware in the club's history with the Dave Babel Cup. But this season really did not start so swimmingly. He had only one win in the first five Bundesliga fixtures, but that wasn't the key issue. The key issue was in the Champions League, where he lost a, a key opening fixture to Shakhtar Donetsk at home with 4-1, a, a really a really poor showing for, for a club that had, had an easy group, actually, by standards of, of some of the other teams we've seen in the Champions League with um, Shakhtar, Celtic, and Real Madrid. 
and to lose on home soil against a Shakhtar side who played less than five matches, I think, in five competitive matches in the last 10, 10, 12 months is, yeah, exactly what, what Leipzig weren't hoping from, from a side that many a tip to win the Bundesliga this season. So Tedesco left and in came Marco Rosa. And it was a sense of, it, it felt inevitable that Rosa would eventually coach RB Leipzig because, I mean, he grew up in Leipzig. He was born there. He started his playing career for VfB Leipzig. He started his senior coaching career at Lokomotiv Leipzig. And then he also had these Red Bull aspects to him. He came through at, at the Red Bull Salzburg Academy. He did a lot of his coaching from U16 level all the way up to senior level. He won the UEFA Youth League in 2017, probably the biggest tournament in youth football around the world. And also at Salzburg in the senior team, he won two league titles with them in two years. So he had a really impressive spell there before then moving to the Bundesliga with my club, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and then ultimately Dortmund. And yeah, so it, although it felt inevitable, we didn't all foresee Marco Rosa necessarily having such a strong start at Leipzig. And that's exactly what it's been, because as you mentioned, I mean, they've been in imperious form. That Union Berlin defeat is their only loss in the last 14 Bundesliga matches. They're in the quarterfinals of the day of Babelkopf, and he won the last four matches in the group stage in the UCL. After going for two defeats in the opening two games, many foresaw them immediately dropping out to the Europa League at best. But those four wins and four games really turned it around and, yeah, made them a threat to, to City. Definitely, definitely, really nicely put. And I'm just interested before we we wrap on part one. What has that sort of what has Marco Rosa done that Tedesco didn't do that Marsh hasn't done? Because you obviously mentioned there's been quite a high turnover of managers. City played this club in the in the group stages last season, and they've had a couple of managers since then. What is it about that sort of about RB Leipzig? Because obviously Jesse Marsh came through the RB model. Nagelsmann, another man who sort of has gone on to buy Munich, but he 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 had his own imprint. How have those how how has Marco Rosa set up? differed from those who've gone before him because I think most would probably if you know you mentioned RB Leipzig it would be those Nagelmann's team um obviously Jesse Marsh did a good job at Salzburg and didn't really go as as well as it did at, at Leipzig but there is this sort of assumption I feel over here that there's a that they're a high energy team they're a high pressing team they're a ball dominant team is that something that's translated over into this new Marco Rosa style yeah, it's super interesting because in many senses, uh, Julian Nagelsmann isn't necessarily a Leipzig or, or a Red Bull coach. He's actually a much more possession-heavy coach, and we saw that at, at Leipzig before. You had guys like Ralf Hasenhüttel and, of course, the 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 father of the style as well. And in, in, um, uh, the names eluding me right now, he was at Manchester United for a short stint. Um, uh, Ralf Hasenhüttel. No, oh, uh, uh, the Ralf Rangnick. Ralph Runyon, of course, he was extreme Red Bull. I mean, he basically is the father of, of, of a lot of Red Bull football today and Hasenhutl as well. But Leipzig um, under Nagelsmann was much more possession oriented. And then we saw Jesse Marsh come in again, a lot exactly a Red Bull coach, right? Red Bull New York and then Red Bull Salzburg and then kind of making that step to Leipzig. He was extremely Red Bull football. And that it didn't really mesh with the squad because the squad had been under under um, Julian Nagelsmann. They'd seen how they developed a lot in possession. They saw they could dictate games. Then you had a coach come in who said, hey, let's take a step back. Let's be more reactive again. Let's play on the back foot and wait for these moments. And the squad, I felt like they developed past that. So that's why that didn't necessarily work. And then you bring in Domenico Tedesco, who 
also had a Hoffenheim pass, for example, and did his coaching badges alongside Julian Nagelsmann. So you see kind of the influence there, how he's, again, a much more possession coach, a much more Nagelsmann-esque coach who could bring in some, some ball game into the side. And that's what was, was so impressive in turning the fortunes around because he brought back to, to Julian Nagelsmann's skill set. Then finally, now on to Marco Rosa, he's a bit of an in-between man, I think. You saw at, at Gladbach, for example, he played a very high possession game. At Borussia Dortmund also, just the level of that Borussia Dortmund side, you can't play every game on the back foot because you have too much talent to, to not try and hold possession. But in the right moments also, you've seen him revert back to that more traditional Leipzig style, one that he favored in his time at Salzburg, being on the back foot, reacting a bit more, waiting for transition moments. And I think that's what City is going to come to expect in this fixture. Yeah, yeah, superb, superb. Um, right, okay, that'll do for part one. We'll be back in a moment for part two, where we're going to take a deep dive at some of RB Leipzig's best talents. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. Right, okay, straight into it then, because I'm looking through the RB Leipzig squad list right now, and position by position, it's a squad that is absolutely stacked with talent. Not necessarily, you know, maybe Champions League winning quality squad, although we'll we'll wait and see, but the likes of Timo Werner, Christopher Nkunku, uh, Danny Olmo, Emil Falsberg, and, and Josko Gvardiol, who is a man who's, who's recently been linked to Manchester City. Where do where do RB Leipzig's strengths lie? And I think it's a pretty easy question because just off the top of the tip, uh, some of the names there sort of explain that for you. Yeah, I think I said it already at the beginning of last season, but but for me, FC Bayern has the best 11 in the Bundesliga, but the best squad is clearly for me at RB Leipzig. From top to bottom, you see how much depth of personnel is in there and how much talent they have across the field, and especially in attacking areas, lights of Nkunku, Schoboslai, Werner, Andre Silva. I mean, these are all players who have in some cases, played at the very top level and won the Champions League like Timo Werner or have the potential to do so and become key fixtures in this competition and, and for their international teams. But, I mean, the clear standout is Christopher and Kunku. And for City fans, it's perhaps bad news that after being off for 83 days with a, with a torn knee ligament, he made his return over the weekend against Fellow Low Sports. So, yeah, had this game maybe just come last week instead of this week, you may have been able to not deal with Christopher Nkunku. And yeah, I mean, he's not at his best, but even Nkunku not at his best is is a big threat to keep an eye on. He's the key player. He's the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga, despite missing quite a few games now. I mean, he has 12 goals. The next best is Timo Werner on five. So it just shows you kind of what an important player he is for the attack. And even in the UEFA Champions League, he's the joint top scorer with three goals. So yeah, when it comes to scoring goals and even creating goals, he's the key man. Marco Rosa has done a lot this season to kind of not be completely reliant on Nkunku, even when he is playing. Not everything goes through him. I mean, you look at last season, for example, 48% of Leipzig's goals in the Bundesliga either were scored or assisted by Nkunku. So he was really at, at the forefront of everything. They're not as reliant on that anymore. But with Nkunku in the side, you have someone who is a bit more clinical than a Timo Werner, for example. 
Yeah, yeah, he's certainly he's certainly a talent, and obviously you mentioned Chelsea before with the with the billions and billions of pounds. He's he's a man who's probably going to end up there at yeah. some point over the next few months. Um, just in terms of that setup, then, because obviously Unkunku, like you say, he's been out for a while. Andre Silva has been sort of playing that more central forward role, Emil Forsberg in behind, and, and flanked by two very good wingers. How do you expect Leipzig to set up? Because it's the home game, and I think Marco Rosa will be looking at it, especially this season, from a from a City point of view, in the fact that City have been vulnerable both sort of on the continent in European games. They went to the uh, Westfalen Stadion in in uh, in the group stage and, and sort of just about scraped a nil nil. There's been other poor results in the Premier League as well. I, I, I get the feeling. Marco Rosa will see this as an opportunity to go back to Manchester with maybe one foot in the next round if they can get a solid result. Obviously, City will be hoping to go and, and a couple of goals advantage and see the game out in the second leg. Is it going to be that sort of Andre Silva up front, target man, etc.? Or do you find a way for Nkunku, as, as injured as he's been, to get back into the team? Yeah, I don't think that, that Leipzig are necessarily going to look to dominate possession against the City side, but as you mentioned, there's no reason for them to hide here, especially at home. Under Marco Rosa, they've had 12 home matches in all competitions, 10 wins, one draw, one loss. And that's of games like Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund, who they've beat, and a draw against FC Bayern. So those are kind of your top, top caliber sides right now on the level of a, of, a, of a Manchester City who they've either beaten or drawn. So like you say, there's no reason for them to hide. And I think that they'll use guys like Christopher Nkunku and Dominic Shabuzlai as well will be super important. These guys who are creative in their own right, but also have that speed and dynamism to quickly exploit spaces, quickly bring the ball up the pitch. And especially Shabuzlai has been, been an absolutely revolutionary aspect under Rosa. Rosa gave him his breakthrough under at, at Airbe Salzburg, and he's come through now at Leipzig after a bit of a stuttering start under Tedesco. He's really found his way under Rosa. So, yeah, that's a player who is, is packed with potential and, and, and really showing his best side. I just want to pick up on um, one of those names in that it's a really frightening attacking lineup. I'm just looking at it now thinking, dear me, it could be in for a long evening. But obviously, Timo Werner, who, who returned to Leipzig at the start of the season, he was he, he cut somewhat of a comical figure during his time in England. You know, there was there was plenty of online memes of him missing chances and, and sort of not necessarily living up to his full potential since he moved to Chelsea a couple of years ago. He's returned to the club he, he came to, uh, he, he joined Chelsea from in RB Leipzig. And he's had a he's had a very good he's had a, a very good season, you know, call it what it is. He, he's on foot mob, you know, he's in the sevens for, for average rating, five goals, one assist. How was uh first of all, obviously it was Tedesco, but since Rose has come in, how was how how has Michael Rosa been able to get the best out of him and, and make him return to that sort of you know, I still think there's more to give. There's always that frustration of him in front of goal that he could be a little bit more clinical. But how has he sort of rekindled that form we saw during his first spell in Germany? Yeah, I think German football suits Timo Werner so well because he's not an efficient goal scorer. He's not someone who's going to get one chance a game and, and, and put that ball away. He's someone who needs a lot of chances or rather than say needs a lot of chances, he's someone who creates a lot of chances for himself. And he's someone who can get into a lot of goal scoring positions in a game. I mean, there's multiple occasions this season where Timo Werner has has missed three goals, which would be a sitter potentially, and and then and then continued to make those runs where where any other striker would not have the intelligence in his movement to get in those spaces, and then he puts away the fourth. And so you say, okay, had Lewandowski had those four shots, he would have four goals, but 
would Lewandowski had had that intelligent movement to get into those shooting positions. And that's something that has always been one of Timo Werner's best traits and, and has largely not been really seen in the Premier League. Because I think that the, the English media has is often seen it in a very black and white picture rather than understanding kind of what what um what Werner brings to the game in the sense of his movement and also how these movement open up spaces for for other other teammates. Just if you ask Christopher Nkunku, I think he probably cannot imagine a better center forward to work with than Timo Werner because his movements are constantly pulling people away and opening up space for for him to get simple shots and efficient goals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was a, a player, Gabriel Jesus, who joined Arsenal, which was very similar in that yeah. sense at, at City last season in terms of, you know, very t- intelligent forward, wouldn't necessarily finish the season with 25, 30 goals and, and thus was dubbed a failure. Um, yeah. Okay, f- final final question then before before we call it a day. Um, this man, I mentioned his name before, Yasko uh, Gvardiol is linked with a move to Manchester City. He's 21 years old and he looks anything but. It looks like he's been carved straight from a Roman sort of sculpture of a gladiator. He's sort of being dubbed as the next best central defender. He's left-footed. He's got all the attributes that you could sort of assume the top, top defenders would need. This is possibly, maybe, maybe. Obviously, there was bids from Chelsea in the summer, like like most players, there was bids from Chelsea. But this could be a good, you know a little bit of a shot window tactic for Gvardiol looking for a move in the summer. Do you think it's some sort of from your opinion? I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is that hype real? We saw it in the World Cup with Croatia. He did well, but it was in a different system. Obviously, a little bit more compact in that sense, and it's always good for a defender when you when you're defending. Is he going to be able to live up to that expectation that 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 many are already putting on his shoulders? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I think that City fans are definitely going to be wanting to win this game, but it might even be a bigger long-term victory if, if City loses this match 1-0 and Josco Vardio scores a, a fantastic long-range goal that puts the pressure on City to sign this player. Because, I mean, Guardiol is not only the best young center back in the Bundesliga, but he's probably the best center back in the Bundesliga. And you mentioned how in Croatia he played in a different system, but... Honestly, one of Guardiola's strongest attributes is that versatility. Because if you think back to um, the European Championships in 2018 or 2020, 2021, there we are at the end, 2021, Guardiola played at left back for Croatia. And even in the beginning of his Leipzig career, he was often playing as a left wing back even in, in a five in the back formation. So he's a player with so much speed and dynamism that he can play all across these positions. He has a fantastic first touch fantastic ability to be calm in possession to carry the ball is everything you need in a modern center back and while football twitter will probably best remember him for being turned apart by Lionel Messi in that 10 second clip this is this is truly one of the best center backs in the world already right now and for for the next decade at least Look, what players haven't been turned inside out by Lionel yeah. Messi <laughs> um Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough. I've really, really enjoyed myself. Um, for anybody who is of a similar mind to me into German football, looking to get into German football, where can they find your work? Where can they hear your musings? Because certainly, you know, after this chat, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people flocking to your to your pages to hear some more insight. Yeah, I think the best place is always Twitter. If you just Google or not Google, put in the Twitter search feed, etsets, Adam Khan, etsets, you'll, you'll find my Twitter page. And from there, you'll find all my other links. I think... The biggest one probably is, is on Substack. That's a newsletter where pretty much every Friday I have a new article about something in German football, 
pretty much always also not about FC Bayern and Borussia Dortmund because I think there's enough of that in, in English media to go around. So yeah, if you maybe want to hear about the second Bundesliga promotion race or Fallwell Wolfsburg or Union Berlin, that's probably the, the best source you can go to. Vielen Dank, Adam. Um, that'll do for today. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.